Bonfire Press and Studio Erbo present Chronicles of the Essence God, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 1. Not Unseen. June 16, 2012. Formosa, Argentina. At the beginning, in the time of the gods, there was Kronos. Kronos controlled all of time and fate. He defeated his father Uranus, lord of the sky, and became ruler of all. But a damning prophecy hung over the early days of Kronos' rule. It was said that like his father, he would one day lose the throne to his own son. In an effort to thwart this future, Kronos took to swallowing each of his children as they were presented by his wife Rhea to him at birth. When their final son was born, Rhea chose at the last moment to spare her son. She handed her child Zeus to the earth, or Gaia, where he would be raised. In his place, she wrapped a large green rock in blankets and presented it to Kronos. Kronos ate the rock, and Zeus lived out his childhood on the island of Crete. When Zeus reached adulthood, he confronted his father, as was prophesied, and forced his father to release his brothers. Upon exit, the stone, too, fell from the heavens, and with that, the essence came to earth. Andres sat back and waited for a reply to pop up, with the glow of the computer screen as his only source of light. He never was much for online chats, but it was the way of the world now. After a moment, a reply popped up on his computer screen. Wait, he ate them? Andres laughed. This is your takeaway? He typed back and stared at the screen. Again, text appeared. Honestly, it sounds a little hokey. Do people really believe that? Andres was a little perturbed. You asked where the essence came from, and I gave you the only story I've ever been told. I don't know what to make of it, but when you're talking about time magic, it becomes really hard to decipher the facts. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't insult me either way. With a shove, he slid his chair across the small room and turned to a table. Stacks of papers, pocket watches, and various stones and trinkets adorn the top. Andres picked up a magnifying glass and carefully inspected the small characters carved into a particularly old-looking stone. The computer chimed, and he contemplated ignoring it. He sat there a minute, and it chimed again. Andres placed the glass back beside the stone and stood up. Walking across the room, he stopped by the window. He slid a finger in between the blinds that hung from top to bottom and lifted one to get a look outside. It did not appear he had been followed. He strode back over and pulled his chair up to his desk, taking a seat. I'm sorry, you've been really kind to share what you know. Anybody else just blows me off like I'm just a dumb kid. This subject is really poorly kept secret in our home, but Mom will not discuss it at all. It's confusing and frustrating, the reply read. You're forgiven, doll. I'm sorry that I grew angry so swiftly. I understand that feeling. Abuela Suarez is much the same. He's kept me from it but I persist anyways. We can help each other a great deal. I hope you can make the trip sooner than later. Andres hung on that last sentence and then hit the send button. He stared at the screen. After a minute of nothing, Andres was almost certain he'd lost her. Every second beyond that felt like a lifetime. Long-distance relationships were insanely complicated and he wasn't always sure how to time the things he'd say. After a few minutes, 
He couldn't hold out any longer. He typed, Celeste, are you there? Within seconds, the computer chimed and a new chat appeared. Sorry, I heard our doorbell ring and had to check it out. Anyways, I can't believe you actually found it. Was anybody there? I know you didn't go in, but did you find anything? Andres was visibly irked, but his evasive friend didn't need to know that. He would try again. Nobody was there, but there were signs that the temple had been visited before. The grass around the perimeter was worn down, and there was some trash littered in places. What an exciting morning you had. I'm glad you came back to speak to me some more. I probably should sign off now. We have company. Talk later? Hasta bien, mi amiga. Andres typed back and closed his laptop gently. He smiled, shook his head, and stood up once more. Laughter could be heard in the kitchen as Celeste descended the staircase of the house. Dressed in sweatpants and a t-shirt with her long, wavy brown tresses pulled up in a ponytail, tucked into a floral print bandana. The young woman wouldn't have been prepared to meet with most guests, but this wasn't most guests. She nearly tripped over the last step in her excitement. Rounding the corner, she made a beeline for the kitchen. Her mother walked by the entryway and smiled to see her teenage daughter preparing a sneak attack. As soon as she passed, Celeste charged in and threw her arms around their guest. The skin tones of the two, hers dark and the other's light, was something that had caused Celeste anxiety as a youth, though she found that it abated some over time as no one else in the family had ever really mentioned it, save for in complimentary terms. It's so good to see you, cuz, she shouted. Mom just told me you were coming yesterday. What's the occasion? Tell me everything, Elise. Elise looked a little sheepish. Just jonesing for some family time, and Aunt Flo is the only one in the family that makes a decent cookie. She smiled and held up the chocolate chip cookie she was holding. You didn't come all this way for a cookie, Celeste said as she playfully snatched the treat from her cousin's hand. Flo stepped between the girls. She just got here, but ten minutes ago. Let this girl rest for a minute. Elise slipped around Flo, reached out and grabbed the cookie back from Celeste, stuffing it into her mouth. I'm sorry, but no. These cookies are a good enough reason to grab a flight from Chicago to the Golden Coast any day of the week. With a tray of delights in hand, Flo pushed the girls out of the kitchen. Come, let's sit in the front room. Celeste, would you pour us all some milk? Only if you guys will save some for me, she smiled and went to the refrigerator. It didn't take long for Andres to find himself asleep at his table. He never kept the best hours. Nearly every evening was spent burning the midnight oil, obsessing over artifacts, papers, and notes. A gust of wind blew some papers off of his desk but did not wake him. It was finally warm at night again, after some unreasonable cold the week before, and Andres was taking complete advantage of that. A bit of drool brushed his tan cheek as he turned his head, adjusting a sore neck, when a grunt echoed across the room. Andres's head shot up and he leapt out of his seat. Who the devil are you? He shouted as he backed away from his table. A trio of robed men stood before him. You were not unseen. He has already witnessed your arrival, the tallest of the group in the middle spoke. His robe was a deep green and stood out considerably from the muddy forest-colored robes of the others. His pasty bare chest was adorned with a small green stone dangling from a silver chain. Who has seen my arrival? What is going on? I don't even know what you're talking about, Andres exclaimed. 
you are not welcome to the things that belong to my brethren. The robed man spoke again, sweeping the contents of Andres' table into a messenger bag. Andres stepped forward. You shouldn't have done that, my friend. Please empty that bag and leave. I don't imagine any of us want this trouble. Demos won't allow it. The man reached forward and shoved Andres back. As his back slammed into the shelf behind him, Andres balled up his right fist. The two goons on his sides rushed to restrain him. Each grabbing an arm, they held him in place. Andres lifted his legs and threw his feet into the table in front of him. The table slammed into the man on the other side, and he stumbled backwards, the contents of his bag spilling stones and objects across the floor. The grip on Andres' arms loosened as he slid down the wall below the robed men at his sides. He turned and flung his fist that he'd been waiting in the wings, catching the one to his left in the nose. A chair struck Andres from behind, flanking the room with shattered wood, and he fell to the ground. Demos will not allow any of this. You have been warned, the man shouted over him. Andres caught a glimpse of a piece of wood laying on the rug to his right. With one quick motion, he spun around, grabbed the wood, and jammed it into the leg of the man that had been standing over him. As the assailant toppled forward, Andres slammed his head into the man's forehead and threw him to the ground. Again, the man from the other side of the table approached. He sees you coming, and you are not welcome to that which is ours. The man slammed his boot into Andres's face, and the room faded to black as Andres's head slammed to the ground. So, dear, you said you had something you wanted to talk about, Flo spoke to her niece in the chair across from her. Elise looked down at her glass of milk and then back up at her aunt. I actually don't think I can drink this right now. Flo turned to Celeste. Celeste, would you be a doll and fetch your cousin some water? Celeste rolled her eyes and grabbed Elise's glass. She strolled across the carpet and onto the hardwood floor of the kitchen. She grabbed the faucet handle on the sink and lifted as she brought the glass under the water. When the milk was washed out, she pulled open the dishwasher and slid the glass into a slot. Closing the dishwasher, she reached for the cabinet handle above to retrieve a new glass. It was about then that she thought she heard a familiar noise upstairs. It was the bird-chirping ringtone she'd set for text messages from her Argentinian friend. Mom, I'll be right back. I need to grab my phone, she shouted as she sprinted up the stairs. Flo smiled at Elise. I'm surprised she made it this long without it. Okay, Elise. So, how far along are you? Elise's eyes widened, and her mouth fell agape. What's that? she mumbled. I've been there, Elise. I could read it on you as soon as you entered this house. You aren't the first Edmund to get pregnant. There are a million tells. And you are not the first Edmund to get pregnant while still wearing her maiden name. Relax, kiddo. She leaned forward and rubbed Elise's knee and smiled. Elise nearly immediately relaxed. She fell back into the cushion behind her and laid there looking up. I'm so scared, Aunt Flo. I'm just so scared. That's natural, sweetheart. We all were when we were in your shoes. Every woman on the planet. And I bet you're also so excited and overjoyed. Maybe a little angry and insanely frustrated. It's okay, Elise. It's okay to be all of those things, Flo said in her most relaxing tone. Two months, Elise murmured. I'm two months along. You already know the due date. Flo smiled. I do, child. I'd be very surprised if I didn't.
I guess there won't be any wild drinking this New Year's Eve, the younger Edmund woman smirked. Would I be wrong to assume that it's Sean's? asked Flo. Elise rolled her eyes. Yeah, it's his. He's okay, really. He's a clown, but I know he'll make a good father. And you intend to marry him? Flo inquired. Elise looked at her for a good several seconds and leaned forward. She dug her elbows into her thighs, stuck her face into her hands, and began crying like she had never cried before. Flo stood and made her way alongside Elise. She began to rub her back. You know I don't care either way. You need to do what's best for you, and what's best for you is probably not to be deciding this right now. I apologize for even bringing that up. Elise looked at Flo through her tears. I miss Mom, Aunt Flo. Oh, child, I miss all of them. There's not a day that passes where I don't think about your parents, Flo agreed. She would know what to do. She always knew. Elise began crying again. And you will too, dear. You will. I thought the same thing when I discovered I was having Celeste. I panicked. I never had a mother to confide in. My father was long gone. I was fortunate to have your mother for guidance, and she told me, You'll know, Flo. We always know what to do when the time comes to do it. And she was right. Flo again began rubbing her back. I wish I could go back, like you guys used to. I would give anything to see my mother again, Elise said. Flo paused. But Rick had to go and destroy it, didn't he? Elise continued, growing angry. Flo returned to her chair and took a seat. Well, mostly he did. I mean, it's more complicated than just a house with a portal, though, Elise. The essence is more than that. There are objects infused with its power to affect time. And I've heard talk of other portals, even. It gets very complicated. Her niece almost pleaded. I would do anything, Flo. Anything to see them. And for my children to see them. It would mean the world if I could bring my child to see their grandparents, to watch my father hold his grandchild like Grandpa Roland held Tim. I can just barely remember that. She again began crying. Elise, how much do you remember about the house? Flo inquired. I remember we were happy there. I remember grand balls at Christmas time. I remember flying with Uncle Rick. I remember trips through the essence with Grandfather. Fantastic trips. We went anywhere and anywhen. Elise paused. Is that a word? The two laughed. I had a different experience at that house, Flo started. I mean, Father did his best. He was a stubborn but terrific man. But I never felt great there and couldn't wait to get away and build a life that was my own. One that was not part of some grand design. At one point, I approached my father about that very subject, and he surprised me with his compassion and understanding, Flo smiled fondly. Elise asked, So, he let you leave? Flo chuckled. Oh, honey, nobody can cage this bird. He knew that. He explained that he was jealous of me. I was the only person in that family that was free of a fate that was long written for them. A look of confusion fell upon Elise's face. You gave up all of that access and moved about as far as you could away from the house? Was that hard? Actually, that's not true. That's what I was getting at. You remember your trips with your grandfather. 
Do you recall how he was able to be anywhere? Or, she paused and smirked, any when? Elise contemplated that for a moment. I sure don't, but now that you mention it, that power wasn't bound to the house for him, was it? When I told your grandfather that I had to leave, he let me leave. But he also ensured that I would be able to come back at any time I wanted. He gifted me his walking stick, Flo explained. You have it still? So you can visit any of them, any time? Elise inquired excitedly. I could, but I haven't. It's remained sealed in a case in my attic for decades now, only used on rare occasions. Grandpa Roland was pretty clear that frivolous use of this sort of item came with dangerous implications, and I didn't want the complications that the essence brings to affect my family, so I've kept it safe and hidden. Flo was very serious. Wow! Her niece was astounded. That's amazing! Elise, I want you to have the experiences you spoke about. I want to hand the walking stick down to you to take care of. If I do that, would you promise to keep it safe and use it responsibly? That might include keeping the knowledge of it from the rest of the family, especially your Uncle Rick. He has been looking for it and gets a little relentless in his interrogations. It can be downright terrifying at times. I know it's a lot of power, and that's a lot to ask without fully understanding the item. But I need you to promise, Flo demanded. Yes, of course. I would be honored, Elise replied. Flo stood up and reached out her hand. All right, come with me. Elise grabbed Flo's hand and launched out of her seat. Also, probably hold off on using it until you're not pregnant. This stuff doesn't come with a warning label, Flo laughed. The pair made their way up the stairs. What are the limitations of the stick? Elise asked. Flo reached the top of the steps and turned back toward her. I haven't experimented with it a lot, and I don't know much about how it works. Apparently, the top of the stick encases a stone that has its history bound to wherever the house came from. From what I understand, it can literally take you any place and time you want to go. So be careful. You do not want to end up at a time when the air was unbreathable or in the middle of a war-torn landscape. Elise followed Flo into the end of the hall where some pull-down stairs descended from the attic. That shouldn't be like that. Why is the attic open? Flo sounded a little shook. She rushed up the stairs, followed by Elise. As she reached the small room at the top of the house, she turned to look for the old chest she kept hidden in the back. Some boxes were out of place, and the chest lay there open. Flo quickly moved to the chest and pulled back some papers to reveal a wooden case buried within. Oh, thank goodness it's here, she said as she withdrew it from the chest. Placing the case on a nearby shelf, Flo flipped open the latches that held it shut, and there sat nothing. The walking stick was missing. Where could it have gone? How long has it been missing? These were the questions stirring in Flo's head. She fell against the wall. Elise spoke up. Aunt Flo, are you okay? She approached her aunt, but as she stepped near the chest, she felt something hit her foot, sticking out from between some boxes. She reached down and picked the object up. That's Celeste's cell phone, recognized Flo. What's it doing? Oh no. She flipped the phone open to reveal a text message. 
They're here, Celeste. I need help. Get here as fast as you can. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.